Look at Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26. There's, uh, there's some things the Lord said to his disciples in here that are some of my, uh, I guess you could say my big takeaways, things that I try to make sure that I'm following and, and allowing to operate in my life. Um, the, the general setting of what's taken place here is that uh, the the crucifixion of the Lord is is nearing? We see the uh, the Passover in this um, the celebration of the Passover in this setting. Um, we see the um, the woman who decides to break her jar of ointment over the Lord's feet and wash his feet in this passage. Um, I think it interesting, actually, it's interesting that I was thinking about this. Judas, you know, was there when that took place. Um, and up until this point, he had just been a follower like the other followers, a disciple of, of Jesus. Um, he, was, he was human, obviously, um, but it says when, when the disciples saw this, they said, why is this waste made? And they, they pointed out how much they could have sold that, that ointment, that jar for. And it says, uh, they said they could give that to the poor. They could have sold that and given that to the poor. And Jesus' response was, uh, this this is probably not going to go over super well, Brother Vance. Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So what his his response when they said this could have uh, we could have sold this and given the money to the poor? He says, "You will always have poor people with you." And he says, you can always bless them. You can always serve or, or do for them. But, but you won't always have me with you. And I like that he, he, drew, he drew that uh, um, distinction there. But the simple fact that he says you will always have poor people with you. You know, the Bible is interesting because when it says things like, always it means forever across all spans of time back then back before then up all the way up to now and from this day forward always there will always be an element of poverty that's one of the things that jesus said but he says um she is preparing my body for burial. And she doesn't even know it. But that's one of the things that Jesus... And this, he says, this is good. This is needful. I appreciate and I'm allowing the things that she's doing. She's ministering to me. She's serving me. And she's preparing my body for burial. Um, that's an interest That would have to stick out to those... Uh, 
disciples, I would think, that hear that, like, what do you mean she's preparing you for burial? Are you getting ready to die? Do you have plans to die that you haven't told us about? What is this? What does this have to do? But so Judas was there, and he, he sees this. And from, from that point, somewhere in the transpiring of watching the waste and hearing uh, about Jesus' response, I guess it's, it's, if you think about the fact that it's a timing deal with Judas and Jesus there. It's a timing thing. Judas is just simply saying, we could have made a profit off of this and given it away. That's not a bad thing, right? That's not inherently evil. It's good to, to bless those who have a need. But, so he, but it's a timing deal. And so Jesus is saying, there is a time to give. There is a time to take what you have, sell it, make a profit, be frugal with that, be a good steward of that, and give when it's needed to be, to be given. But this particular time is not the time for that. I think it's, it's a, it's, it almost sounds like a small or subtle thing, but what we see there is Judas being uh, taught a lesson. It's not really even a confrontation. It's just a word from Jesus, the master, to his follower. But it causes a little bit of a, a shift in the thinking of Judas, I would imagine, because it says he goes from there and he begins to look for how he can betray Jesus. And we know that that entire betrayal and the part that Judas played in it, it was all financially driven. He says he would do it for money. But, but if, you, if you go back, that seems like a... a, a a massive leap from being a follower and even with the good intention, you could say, of meeting the need of the poor to all of a sudden betraying Jesus for your own personal gain. But I wouldn't overlook that interaction the simple words that Jesus said, you, your, your motive here that, that you are saying you'd like to do is to give this, take this, sell it, and give it to the poor. So your motive that what you're saying here is you want to help somebody else. But that's not my plan for this moment. See, we, we have to... We have to be careful how we respond when the Lord deals with us in a way that we did not foresee or didn't think or wouldn't choose ourselves. When he speaks and says, you're not going to do that today. I know that's what you want to do. I know uh, often I'm okay with you doing that. 
And it's not even a bad thing. It could be a good thing. But today you're not going to do that. What it does is it stirs up a little bit of this flesh in us. And how we respond, how we react to that, says everything about our condition. Are we, are we willing to obey? Sometimes, no, with some of my children, sometimes an opportunity will present itself to obey, and it's almost like it blindsides all of us. And then I just kind of see it a split second before they see it. That's what it feels like. And I'm not, I, I, I'm, I, try, I think that I'm not too much of a uh, uh, hard taskmaster over my kids. Um, but every now and then I will give them a, a, a duty, a chore, a job. <laughs> and what I'm doing, and I've, I've even caught myself saying this, I'm giving you an opportunity to obey. <laughs> that doesn't always sound pleasant. And that, trust me, they're not always looking for opportunities to obey. But when a situation arises and it occurs, I'm, I, I'm not going to let the opportunity go by for me to explain to them, your response will show whether you are obedient or not. It's not about me singling you out and being rude to you or picking on you. I could have easily asked your brother or your sister to do it. I'm aware of that. But I'm asking you to do it. And we're just going to see how... What, we're, we're, we're checking the obedience level here. That's kind of what it feels like we're doing in a, in a situation like that. So that's what I foresee when, when Judas says, we could have done this. And Jesus says, I'm just checking your obedience level here, Brother Judas. Because she, what she's doing is good. What, I'm allowing this for a purpose. So, that's, that's free. That's not what I wanted to teach you about tonight. But, but keep that with you. Look for those opportunities to obey. And let the Lord check your obedience. I'm working down to verse 36. We're in Matthew 26. So all of those are just some things that transpired there before uh, this setting. So we know that there, they did then celebrate the, the feast of the Passover. Uh, Judas goes out to um, commit the actual betrayal. Jesus and his followers leave the, leave the dinner and they go to the garden. For, per, for a time of prayer, it says. So verse 36, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and he said to the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. What was the, what was the command that he gave to the, the disciples there? Sit. <laughs> you want to talk about testing obedience? How many of you ever tried to train a dog? Sit. I promise you, the very first time you say it, that dog does not know what you mean. But so he tells his disciples, sit here. I'm going to go yonder and pray. 
Verse 37, he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. Now we have three of the disciples singled out. And what's his command to them? It's two parts. Tarry ye here and watch with me. The other, what is that? Eight. The other eight, because we had 12 and we took one away and then that's 11 and then 11 minus three. We're doing some simple math. That's a little break for you, for your mind. So the other eight get to just sit. And these three are given a further command. Terry, to tarry means to wait, to stay here and watch. You three have a greater level or have a greater um, command, a a higher level of responsibility in this particular setting. I want you to watch with me. And in case you missed that, he just unburdened himself. He shared with them, my soul is sorrowful. Here's what I'm feeling right now. And here's what I want you to do with me about this. Tarry and watch with me. Now, the word watch, to watch, it means give strict attention to, to be cautious, to be active. To take heed, it also means to take heed. So that, it, that you don't fall back into a place of relaxation. Oh, I'm watching. Okay, I know. He said, stay here and wait and watch. Uh, This is getting pretty lame, but I'm watching. That's, my eyes are open and I'm looking, but that's not a watchful uh, spirit or position. I'm not really putting into effect what he says when he says to watch. It means to be active, to give strict attention to. Pay attention. You ever, you ever said that to someone? Pay attention. Now, they're, they're not off, you know, three miles away where they can't even hear you. They're with you. But what is it that causes you to need to tell them, pay attention? You know in their brain they're a million miles away. Pay attention. I want you to catch what's happening here. I want you to see I want you to notice, pay attention, switch your brain on, pay attention. I think if there's any group that that knows how to switch that brain on and off more than anyone, it's teenagers, right? I'm here. I'm hearing everything you're saying. You're not paying attention. Did you catch what? But I'm not just picking on the teeth. This is just a part of our human makeup. It's a part of our human uh, characteristic is we can be 100% looking like we're watching, looking like we're paying attention and not catch anything that was just said. (laughs) How many of you ever been driving? And all of a sudden, you're about five miles further down the road than where you thought you were. 
and you think, how in the world did I get from the last place that I paid attention to to where I am? What happened? Did I run any red lights? Did I pass through a stop? I don't even remember that intersection. And then you're like, whoa, whoa, wake up. Back to reality. So it's just a part of how our brains can work sometimes. But so Jesus, his, his command here, his request to the disciples is watch. Be alert. One translation would say, keep watching. Watch and keep watching. That's the full effect of what that verb means. Not just watch for a second. Right. So he, he's wanting them to be at the ready. To be at the ready. It's what it means when it says... Now, in case you don't know what it means yet to, be, to, to watch, let me tell you some of the opposite of what it means to watch. What does it look like when you're not watching according to the meaning of this word? The very first one, I already said it earlier, relax. To relax. It's a dangerous place to be spiritually. Now, I'm not telling you you can't rest and recreation is bad. For, no, I'm not saying that at all. But in your spirit, there is no place for relaxation. Because to relax means to pull back from, to pull away from. And if in my spirit I'm supposed to be active and switched on and at the ready, then what is it that I'm pulling back from? What is it that I'm pulling away from? Now, the Lord's going to help us here, I believe. But I want you to get this, what we're talking about first. If I am in a state of relaxation, I'm going to miss what the Lord has told me to be watching for. It means the, a lessening of intensity. Oh, it's probably not going to happen today. I'm not too worried about that right now. I know this is important, but eh, I'm just going to ease back a little bit. So that's the opposite of watching. Here's one. To be half-hearted. If you're half-hearted, you're not watching. I'm going to insert this. I heard uh, some of you know who Brother Mel Berglund is. He's over in Puyallup. He said at one point, and, and it stuck with me so much, he said, the most, I think he, the way he put it was, the most miserable people are people who are half in the church and half in the world. Those are the most, that's the group that's the most miserable Another way to put that is the people who are half-heartedly trying to live for Christ. Because you can't. You can't half-heartedly live for Christ. And all you're going to do is give yourself a constant reminder of the fact that you're not. What fun is that? 
What peace is that? What joy is that? There is none. To be half-hearted. Now this one, oh Lord, this is me preaching to me as much as anything. To be the opposite of watching. To dislike work or effort. To dislike, have a disdain for the, for the watching, for the working, for the, the effort that it takes. I just don't like it. Man, this is, the, this is probably the area, if I were to just sit here and be completely honest with you, probably the area that myself and, and Brother Curtis Johnstone differ the greatest. That man is always working. Always. He's either working or he's thinking about work or he's talking about work. All of those, to me, they kind of go hand in hand. That's what he just likes to do. Me, I'm good with talking about work. I'm okay with thinking about work. But putting the pencil to the paper, putting the fingers to the keyboard, picking up the tool, that is just... Ah, why? Why don't we theorize some more about this? Why don't we talk a little bit more about it? Let's just make sure we know and understand. Yes, that's what that, you know what that's called? That's called relaxing. It's another form of relaxing. It's not watching. Now, that's me when I'm not careful. That's That's the place that I would allow myself to fall back to. The work will get done, sure, at some point. Where's the intensity in that? What I'm doing, I am not, if that's my attitude spiritually, I am not fulfilling the Lord's command to watch. To be lazy, to be idle, we could keep going, but thank the Lord there's more. Now look at verse 39 here. After he told them to watch, tarry and watch, it says, He went a little further and he fell on his face and prayed, saying, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Verse 40, And he cometh unto the disciples, the three disciples that he just left and said, Tarry and watch. And he found them tarrying and watching. No. He found them. Asleep. They had entered into that relaxation. They had entered into that dislike of work. Yeah. The cup. So the cup is, I guess you could call it a metaphor for, for what, the, what Jesus knew was required of him. He knew that, he, he, he uses that term in a couple of different places. My cup. This cup is for me to drink from. He's talking about his death. He's talking about the, the, the manner in which he would die, his crucifixion. So let this cup pass from me, if it's your will, if it's possible. Really, simply put, he's showing his, his own humanity there. His desire to not die. But so he comes back and it says he finds them asleep. And saith unto Peter, what, could ye not watch with me one hour? Okay, 
I thought I was going to be going through this a little more quickly, but that's, this is the way the, this is the um, pace that the Lord's wanting us to go through this, I believe. Could you not watch with me for one hour? We in Pentecost, and that's, that's making this a, as broad of a statement as I can make this. We in the church have we have these uh, misconceptions about what it means to pray. And so, yes, I, I struggle to pray for an hour. If you start the clock right now, in about 15 minutes, I'm going to be thinking, how much longer do I have to do this? 30 minutes in, whew, man, I felt like I have run out of words. Well, first of all, did he, did he tell them in this first command to pray? No, all he did was say, Terry, and watch. And then he says, you couldn't even watch for one hour. What? Well, give me some help. What am I, what am I watching for? What am I looking at? What, what is it that I'm supposed to be on alert and at the ready for? And, and what is it that, that we are uh, supposed to be doing? Because the hour is late and, you know, I'm getting pretty tired. We just had a pretty heavy meal celebrating the Passover. And I don't know about you, but on most days after I eat a nice big meal and celebrate some, the next thing I want to do is go and relax. And Jesus says, not tonight, not for this one hour. I expect you to watch. Verse 41. Now, he's going to give a little bit of a further command. After he said, watch, tarry and watch, he says, verse 41, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Pray and watch. Watch and pray. Pray and watch. Watch and pray. I got a newsflash for you. This is supposed to be your default position as a child of God, as a servant in, in his kingdom. This is supposed to be our default position. Pray and watch. Watch and pray. Because when is there a time I'm not supposed to be watching? Never. When is there a time I'm not supposed to be praying? Never. My default position is to watch and pray. And Jesus even takes it a step further here with this next statement. That ye enter not into temptation. Now, he's not, let me make this very clear. He's not telling them, pray not to enter into temptation. In other words, don't go up there and say, oh Lord, please don't let me enter into temptation. Please don't let me, I'm praying against entering into temptation. I'm praying, this is my prayer request, that I not enter into temptation. That's not what he's saying. He's saying there is a default position, which is watching 
and praying. And if you are not in that default position, the opposite, the other side of that is entering into temptation. You are either watching and praying or you are entering into temptation. That is your, that is your human nature. That is your human makeup. That's how we, and it's, a, it's for everyone. Because temptation here is not just talking about the things that please and appetize your flesh. As it talks about in other parts of the scripture where, you know, it talks about these things that tempt you with the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the, the pride of life. That is not this kind of temptation. This kind of temptation that Jesus is saying is the temptation to not do his will. The temptation to not watch. The temptation to not pray. You are either watching and praying or you are entering, entering into temptation. Now, uh, when, I, when, I, when I'm at the end of my day, when I'm getting ready to go to sleep, I am entering into sleep. You see, there's kind of a, a process for this. I have to make sure, first of all, I have to make sure the kids are asleep, or at least in bed. I, I don't, I, 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 your house might be different. I do not have the ability to just tell six people, see you later, I'm going to lay down and go to sleep. Nope, I just can't do it. Maybe, you, maybe it's only you at home and you can just decide, I'm out. Good. No, but for most of us, where there are others involved in the house, it's at least tell them good night. At least make sure there's nothing else needed of you before you go and check out for six or eight hours or however long you plan to be down. So there's a process here. I'm getting ready. We call this getting ready for bed. Even my kids know this. It's time to get ready for bed. I'm, I'm making a point. They are, we are entering into a new phase. So when Jesus says that you enter not into temptation, he's saying, if you're not watching and praying, the next phase that you are getting ready for whether you like it or not, whether you know it or not, the next phase you are about to enter is this thing called temptation. Who wants to be there? None of us. The, when I was reading and, and thinking and praying about this and studying for this, I felt the Lord very simply say, I am sharing with you how to not enter into temptation." Very simply put, I mean, I can't make it any easier and more plain than this. This is how you don't enter into temptation, by watching and by praying. He says, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, let me read you the New Living Translation of verse 41. It says, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to 
temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's a, just as much as we say the Bible is full of promises and we want to claim all those promises and, and lay hold to all those promises. This is a promise from God. This, the same scripture could say, watch and pray lest ye enter into temptation. Lest if you do this, you won't do that. If you don't do this, you will do that. So watch and pray. If not, you will enter into temptation. Brother Vance? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yes. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Stop right there. The scripture says something about this. When they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction will, will, shall, shall, not might, not may, not maybe someday, three days from now, shall come upon them. When they shall say, Peace and safety. What Brother Vance pointed out is those who are not re- watching and praying, those that are in the relaxed state, those are the, those are the easy pickings for the enemy. He's looking for those. Who, as scripture says, whom he may devour. If I'm, if there, if I'm right here, and I, I've got, I'm just going to consider this a weapon. My weapon of choice. And I'm watching and I'm praying. Spiritually, this is my posture. Then the enemy who walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. When he sees a guy over there sleeping in the corner with no defense, no guard. And he sees me watching and praying, which one of us looks like the one whom he may devour? Now, I'm just going to... The Lord had given me a couple of these things, and I guess I could call them statements that I wrote, but I, I want to read them. I need to read them to give you what he, the way he gave it to me. If I would rather sit idle and let someone else do the work of the kingdom while I simply observe, I will fall into temptation. If, that, if that's my choice, if that's my default position and I give in to that, I'm going to sit idle, let someone else do the work of the kingdom. The work's still going to get done. His will's still going to get done. But what I am doing is I am choosing to enter temptation. 
Now here's another one. If I do not live for the Lord with a sense of urgency, I will fall into temptation. A sense of urgency. If I don't live for the Lord with the attitude and the mindset, this is the most, hear me, this is the most important thing that I could be doing with my life. This, living, seeking His kingdom, living with Him, for Him, walking with Him. If that is not the most important thing to me, I will fall into temptation. Okay. If I don't pray, when he tells me to pray, I will fall into temptation. What do you mean when the Lord tells me to pray? Well, we already covered this one earlier. Scripture says pray without ceasing. Right? So I, I, I better start there and figure out at what times am I not praying. I don't mean kneeling down, setting aside at least five or ten minutes of quiet time with no distractions. That's not always feasible. So starting with the fact that I have to pray without ceasing means I have to be able to incorporate prayer into my daily life, my daily routine. And if I cannot do that, temptation is waiting for me. But further than that, he will, as you grow and mature in your walk with God, he will give you specific times to pray. He will tug on your heart. As Brother Woodson put it on Sunday, he will put somebody on your mind or in your spirit. And that is your responsibility. Up until then, when you're thinking about Kool-Aid and French fries and golf or shoes or Amazon, it's not your responsibility. You still better be praying. You better be watching. But as soon as you feel, because you know him and you know his voice, as soon as you feel like, man, the Lord's wanted me to pray. Eh, I need to see if there's a better sell on these shoes than that. Ooh, that was not of me, I'll tell you that. Yeah, that's, that's what he does. That's what he does. When you learn to hear his voice, you will learn he wants you to pray. Specific times for specific situations, he wants you to pray. 
And if you don't pray when he tells you to pray, you will fall into temptation. That's what this scripture says. Verse 42. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Remember when he said the flesh is weak? He knows. He knows. He knows how comfortable your pillow can be. How nice the warm blanket can feel. He knows that. That's why he can say, you tell me with your spirit, you're willing, but I know how much you like sleep, rest. Oh, there's a message for the teenagers right there. Their eyes were heavy. He found them asleep again. Verse 44, he left them. He went away again and prayed the third time. Verse 45, then he cometh to his disciples and says unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he that doth betray me. One more verse for you. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. We, we referenced this earlier. There's a, there's a term here I need you to take with you. First term is watch. Okay? We got that. To be actively alert, watching, ready. We have to be that way. Now, 1 Peter 5 and 8, it says, be sober. Everyone say, be sober. Be sober. Now, what does it mean to be sober? Thank you, Sister Kayla. To be in your right mind. That's right. Here's another way to put that. To be calm in spirit. To be calm in spirit. Now, Calm does not excuse you from everything we just talked about. Because to us, calm and relaxed, they sound a lot alike. They look a lot alike. They are not the same thing. To be calm in spirit means this situation, whatever it is, 
is not going to overrun my spirit, my thinking, my, I guess you could say, my peace. One scripture says, people that get tossed about to and fro. That describes perfectly someone who is not calm in spirit. What is it, if we're talking about being sober, and then we identify someone who's not sober in this context as someone who's tossed back and forth to and fro, what is it that's allowing them or causing them to be such? It's what they're hearing on this side versus what they're hearing on this side. They hear the conflicting reports or they view two sides of a conflict and they're tossed back and forth. That is not calm in spirit. That is not sober. Wait, I thought we were talking about sobriety like chemicals and alcohol and all that. That's part of it. That's a huge part of it, but that's not all there is to it, because bad news can affect me just as much or more than a pill. Boy, would I like to go down that trail. I'm, I am encompassing all of this under the, un, under the term bad news. Something that affects your spirit negatively. I'm not talking about, oh, you found out you got, you got a parking ticket. Well, that's going to affect you, yeah. But I'm talking about things that you allow in your eyes, in your ears, and into your spirit, just like the pill or the drink or the substance that you allow into your mouth, that's going to get in and affect your body naturally. All these things are going to get in and affect your body spiritually. And what they're going to do is cause you to no longer be sober. You're no longer in your right mind. And spiritually, you're no longer in the right spirit. It's something that changes you. Another term for this is to be temperate. Now, I'm going to try to end here. Myself and my, my family that I grew up in as a in the household that I grew up in. There are some things that we're passionate about. There are a lot of things that I guess you would say we're not passionate about. Or I guess you could say we're not the most passionate about. How do I know that? Because I married someone who is in a household, grew up in a household that is the most passionate about things. And I got to see firsthand, very clearly, very distinctly, what does it mean to be passionate about something? I'm, wanting, I'm drawing this distinction. I'm wanting you to see the difference because 
To be passionate about something is good. It's biblical. It's the way God made us. He wants us to be about the right things. To be calm, to, uh, I'll put it this way, to be complacent about those things that he wants you to be passionate about leads you down what we described earlier, the road to temptation, entering temptation, because I'm not allowing myself to be open to this. I'm not allowing myself to be alert, active, ready for this. Oh, I know. Yeah, we'll go to church. We'll hear another preacher and that'll be good. And that's what we do. That's great. Where is the passion in that? Oh, the Lord wants me to pray. Okay, I'll pray. Well, thank you, Jesus, for this day. Uh, I think that's about it. Thanks, Lord. Where is the passion in that? There is none. See, the Lord, if we will let him, why don't you stand with me? If we will let him, he will develop his nature in us. To the point where we become passionate about the things we should be. If I let him, he will develop that in me. I'll give you an earthly example. An earthly example of how this might, what this might look like. I was married in 2005. That's the exact same year as my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, Kaylee Johnstone, got married. I moved from Memphis, Tennessee, all the way out here to the Pacific Northwest. In, this, in, the, in the South, they have this thing called the SEC. That stands for the Southeastern Conference. That's collegiate sports. More specifically, that's college football, where I come from. It's hard to grow up in the South and not be passionate about the SEC somewhere along the way. You pick a team, there's enough states around there, you got one, you're passionate about it. And it bleeds over into... Not just your team, but your team's teams and who they play against and the conference they play against. And I never understood this. Everybody doing okay? I'm trying to finish. I never understood this. A Tennessee, University of Tennessee Volunteers football fan. When my team loses, I, I, I to this day still don't get how the other teams that my team played against and lost to, how their good fortune now becomes my good fortune. Oh, it drives me up the wall. Drives me up the wall. Florida Gators winning the national championship does not make me happy as a Tennessee volunteer. It doesn't. Most of them it does. And I'm not going to go down that road. That's a different subject. But I got married and moved out here in 2005. 
And in the college world, you moved into Washington uh, State in 2005, and our two main teams were bottom dwellers, the Huskies and the Cougars. There was just nothing good to be said about either of them. But I had my brother-in-law who grew up in Oregon and was a, a passionate Ducks fan. And I thought, well, if you remember back a little bit, the early 2000s, mid-2000s, the Oregon Ducks had a pretty good run there. Won a lot of games, got to championships, all that good stuff. And simply by my camaraderie, my friendship, my relationship with my brother-in-law, I became a Ducks fan. I mean, it just it was good timing that they were winning and doing all this stuff. that made it more fun to watch, right? But up until that point, I couldn't tell you the first thing about the Oregon Ducks. Didn't know who the coach was. Didn't know the city they played in. Didn't even know. That's how dumb I was. I didn't even know who their main rival was, Oregon State. I couldn't have told you that. But just from hanging out with him, hearing him talk about it, learning from him, picking up on those things, I started to change. My passions started to change. And before you know it, I was watching them when he wasn't. Man, did you see that game? I didn't get to watch it. What? You didn't get to watch that? What have you done to me? When I walk with the Lord, when I watch and pray as he wants me to, and I start to see the things that he's saying. Brother, if you're watchful, you're going to see this. If you're alert, if you're aware, you're going to pick up on this. What's happening is I am becoming more like him. Now, before I know it, I'm not even worried about the temptation. And that's, that's, that's the furthest thing from my mind. I'm just thinking about what are we looking at? What are we watching for? What's going to be great in your kingdom today? What are, the, what are the things that we're going to pray for? What are the things that we're going to see and expect and watch for? Inherent with that is, what are the things I need to be cautious about? What are the things I don't need to be cautious about? What are the things that would lead me down paths that take me away from you? What is, what, what is your voice not sounding like? Because I'm watching. Everyone say, I'm watching. I'm watching as the Lord tells me, watch and pray. And I'll tell you something. It gets a whole lot easier. For those of you that need the time clock, it gets a whole lot easier to fill an hour when you're not thinking about, oh, what's something I haven't prayed about yet? Oh, yeah, that's something I can pray about. No, 
I'm watching. In my spirit, I'm watching. And when there are words to say in prayer, the words come out. When there are no words, I'm still watching. I'm still praying. We think praying is speaking. It's not always speaking. Prayer is two-way communication with God. Two-way communication. If I'm always talking, where's the other side of that communication? But as I am listening, I'm praying, I'm watching, I'm listening, and that is my life. That is, I said it earlier, that is my default position. What does this look like? When I'm having a conversation with a brother or a sister, and we're just talking, but I'm watching. Uh, now, don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to be critical all the time. I'm not sitting here judging. That's different, okay? Ooh, glad I said that. My watching is not my judging. And I don't want you to think that it's me judging you or me watching for you. No, I'm watching in the Spirit. And when we're just talking about whatever we're talking about, but the Spirit says, did you see that? Did you catch that? Did you hear that? Praise God, I did. I heard that. I felt that. Because I was watching in the Spirit. Why don't we pray? Jesus, Lord, we want to open our eyes spiritually. We want the eyes of our understanding to be enlightened. We want the revelation of your spirit and your truth, Father. God, to know that walking with you is to be watchful, to be prayerful. Lord, and that when you want to speak, when you want to call us to pray, when you want to call us to give, when you want to call us to be a blessing, whatever it is, Lord, that you want to call us to, we're watching for that. We're waiting for it. We're expecting it, anticipating it, Lord. God, that's the level and the, the desire of a communication and fellowship with you that we're longing for. Jesus, I want to have a watchful spirit. Lord, I want to have a watchful spirit. I want to be at the ready, Jesus, as you speak. I want to be at the ready as you reveal things to me, Jesus. Lord, in your name. Jesus, in your name. Lord, Jesus, in your name. God, I pray right now a, a watchful spirit be upon these people. God, I pray as it can be imparted, let it be imparted to them, Jesus. Lord, that as we even leave this place, our spirits are active. Our spirits are alert. They're engaged and at the ready. Jesus, we pray the watchful spirit, God. 
In the name of Jesus, Hikata Haye, Ianda Lodo Mosata Hai, Ialamando Lokasataha. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I want this to transform me. I want this to transform my time, my, my relationship with others, Jesus, my effectiveness and my communication. Lord, I want it to transform me. God, that I would be watching for you, that I would be listening for your voice. Jesus, I believe you will give us clear direction. I believe you will give us a clear understanding. In the name of Jesus, I pray the spirit of revelation, God. Let it take root right now in the name of Jesus. Open the understanding, Lord. Open the eyes, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, come on, would you just receive it? The Lord is pouring out to us right now. Open your spirit to him. Jesus, I receive it. I receive the truth of your word, Father. I receive this level that you want me to walk in, Jesus. I receive this level of close fellowship and communication with you. I want to walk in it, Jesus. I amalo so tahaya. I anondolo satahaya. Jesus, that when I speak, your words would abide in me. Jesus, that when I minister to others, your words would minister, Father. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, he katahaya, he elondolo masai. In Jesus' name, I encourage you, take this with you tonight. As often as you need to remember the garden and Jesus' commands. See, that was a teaching point for him. As simple as it was, a teaching point. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Amen. I'd like us to pray before we leave for, for Sister Johnstone. I know she's had some, some medical things take place and she was, she's going to have some more procedures. Um, I just want to pray for her, for her spirit to be strengthened. Can we do that? Lord Jesus, in your name, Lord, we lift up Sister Johnstone to you right now. Jesus, I pray, strengthen her body, O oh God. Strengthen her mind and strengthen her spirit. Jesus, I pray the ministering spirit from you, Lord. Let it minister to her even this moment, Father. Jesus, I pray, comfort in her body. Jesus, I pray, healing, restoration, and wholeness in her body today. 
Lord, I pray touch her mind right now. I pray protection and covering over her mind. In the name of Jesus, I pray strengthen her spirit, Lord. Edify her tonight, Father. Comfort her tonight, Lord. God, I pray for Brother Johnstone. I pray strengthen and encourage him. I pray minister to them this night, Father. We thank you for it, Jesus. We thank you for it, Jesus. We thank you for it, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lord. Glory to God.